this would be a bit more embarrassing for me than it is for you. They beat us over the head with him. Tim Burton is that guy who says, oh, the Titanic sucked. That was dumb. We might have rescued a soul or two from uh, wasting their time. We'll see. Whatever, Tim Burton. This movie's very Burton. Oh. Um, I mean, the Penguin is really, I think, Edward Scissorhands. All right, guys, today on the second episode of Max and Jason Watch a Movie, or Jason and Max Watch a Movie, we're going to be tackling 1992's Batman Returns, uh, another Batman film by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, and Chris Walken. It's a bumpy ride, folks, and I hope you're ready for it. And guys, I have a synopsis, but I'm not going to really go that deep into it. This came out in 1992, so it's like three years later. I think Burton has done some other work. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. If the first B Batman represented Burton, mostly paying attention to the source material, I've written this down here. Batman Returns is Burton giving the source material the middle finger and imposing his own vision of Batman, of Gotham, and his rogues gallery on the film. Because, folks, uh, look, this movie has the Penguin, sort of. It has Catwoman, sort of. And it has Batman, sort of. And that's that's the and, and it's introduced a new villain in the film which is strangely my favorite part of the movie, which is Max Shrek. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Max Shrek is played by Christopher Walken. Movie trivia note here. Max Shrek is a reference to the actor who played, do you know who it played? Uh, Nosferatu. That's right. So Nosferatu is one of the first vampire films, uh, loosely based on Stoker's Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. yeah, they had anyway. to change the names. Yes, yeah. to... to... <laughs> <laughs> to get around the innocent yeah <laughs> um but anyway so max shrek is the actor who played this this uh vampire um played by in this movie played by christopher walken perfectly but so i don't think that he's a he's not a comic book villain he's a tim burton creation it's probably the only thing i really liked it's the thing i like most about the film there are a couple other things but the film jettisons every major every major facet of the characters of all of these characters that I've just named. His penguin is nothing like the comic book penguin. His Catwoman is nothing like the comic book Catwoman. His Batman is a little bit like the last, the Batman from the last movie. You know, I don't know what to make of this film for people who haven't seen it. And this is one I can't recommend. Penguin appears in Gotham. He was a former child of Gotham's elite, but he is so ugly. He's a grotesque mutant in this film in, in the comic book. He's not, he's a gangster with an affection for, Birds, I think. Penguin comes to Gotham with a bunch of circus freaks, which are kind of a neat idea, but they're, 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 they're paired with the wrong villain, I think. And so Penguin is played by Danny DeVito. He's got flippers for hands. He wears a gross, ugly bodysuit with a diaper stain. And I mean, if you know anything about Batman, you're kind of like, what the hell am I watching here? Uh, Catwoman, very early on in the film, she very early on the the character Selena Kyle becomes Catwoman in the movie. She's a very mousy woman. There, there, there's a couple of neat scenes here. When we first see her, when she's getting intimidated by Max Shrek for uncovering the secrets of the Shrek empire. Shrek is kind of a much more obviously villainous tycoon than say Lex Luthor. They're kind of in that same character wheelhouse, but Shrek is, is a guy who's obviously comfortable with corruption, whereas Luther always pretends not to be corrupt. So there's a great scene where Shrek intimidates uh, Selena Kyle. The, the lighting in this, in, this, in this scene, just before Selena Kyle is, is uh, quote-unquote killed, where the lighting is coming from beneath both of them. And I don't know if they intended to do this, but like Shrek looks incredibly frightening. And Selena Kyle's glasses describe the mask that she'll eventually wear as Catwoman covers the secrets of the Shrek empire. Uh, they're, they're going to start a power plant. That's actually going to suck power away. I don't know how that, how that's going to make anybody money, but whatever Tim Burton. 
And she's like, you know, I've got to say, that's a pretty interesting business model. And he was like, oh, who would you say that to? I can't do it because walk inside. But then he shoves her out a window and she falls. Um, and this is a neat thing I noticed today. Uh, she falls, hunt, uh, you know, a few hundred stories. And she ends up starting to crash through these awnings, these uh, cloth awnings that start to break her fall. And uh, the last one that she falls through looks like a Hello Kitty awning. Yeah. And then she hits the yeah. ground. And then, so she looks like she's dead. But then Jason, the origin story of Catwoman in this movie is that she is molested by cats in an alley. I mean, that's what I got out of it. Uh, she's molested by cats and then she gets nine lives or something. I don't, I don't understand anything that happens after that. That, that was dumb. Yeah. Uh, late in the film when she's saying oh, three left or something like that. Yeah. 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 But so, so in this movie, strangely, uh, she's a magical kind of character, I guess. I mean, there's no other, there's no other, she's some kind of supernatural character at that point. So it's a three-way fight between this, this Catwoman who I don't know what she does in the movie really that much. I don't know what her major motive is other than to maybe kill Max Shrek she's going to take she's going to attack batman a couple times and murder flirt with him and uh, she's going to flirt a lot less intensely with penguin <laughs> because how can you flirt with a guy in a dirty diaper suit everything is just pushed so far out of the norm of of even what we saw in the last film which was a very artistic uh look at gotham but like burton pushes all of his sensibilities into the film and he kind of pushes the art deco too far there are these really weird architectural elements like the bizarre statues throughout Gotham. I mean, it goes from being a, in the first film, an interesting place to live. I think I, I would love to live in that Gotham in the first film to a, a funhouse version. It's almost yeah. a caricature of what it yeah. was in the first movie. It is Gotham seen through a funhouse mirror. Yeah. It also looks more like a set than, the than in the original film. Yeah. It doesn't um, really look like a city. No, it looks like a, it looks like a, like a Tim Burton dream. I wanted to like this movie when I was, when I was a kid, but, but I did find it bizarre. I, I didn't understand why he made Catwoman crazy because she's not crazy in the comic book. She is a, she's Catwoman because she's a cat burglar. You know, right. she's not really a bad person per se. She likes Batman a little bit, but she likes free things. <laughs> you know, um, Penguin is a kind of garden variety gangster. He's not necessarily the cleverest of Batman's villains, but he's not a mutant freak. I swear, I don't know where to begin or end with this movie. Um, what do you have to say? What, what do you? What are your uh, yeah, there's there, there's a lot. Well, first of all, I have to kind of um, this would be a little bit more embarrassing for me than it is for you. I didn't necessarily like it when it came out, mm -hmm. but I did erroneously say that it was better than the original. Ooh, that was a mistake. I didn't say that. it was a mistake. However, I, I now realize that one of the reasons why I thought that is because I actually went into it and zeroed in on the things that I thought the original film did wrong. And, and actually, I think that this film did a better job of making Batman a little bit more front and center, you know, and it's just him and Alfred this time. I, I also, I kind of liked the, um, uh, the reference to just letting Vicki Vale into the Batcave. No, that was good. That, that, was, was, good. Some, that yeah. was something in the first movie that I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? And, and um, I, so I liked that. However, you know, one of the things I noticed this time, though, I, I, I was mistaken back then. Bruce, uh, Michael Keaton does not have an important scene of dialogue until 40 minutes in. Oh, really? What, 40 yeah, minutes I, in. I don't think I noticed this, but go on. Yep. Well, if, if you don't count when he says to uh, Commissioner Gordon, we'll see. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not until, I can't remember what the scene is, but 
but I looked at the at the counter on the on the TV, and it was it was like almost minute forty before wow. he even had dialogue with anybody. The film just spends so much time on these kind of misfit characters, yeah, kind of like an island of misfit toys thing going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's where this is very much. This movie's very Burton. Oh, um, I mean, the Penguin is really, I think, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, yeah, and um, just put flesh on that prop, apparently. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 there was there was something like I remember in the theater when she's wrecking her apartment. Oh my God! I, I remember just thinking, "What the hell am I watching?" Like yeah. th- that scene is really out of place, um, and it needed to be edited down. Like yeah. you know, I kind of got the gist of it. Oh, but nope. Then she takes the stuffed animals and she puts them in the sink and she's stabbing them and this yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And it, See, that I, scene is a lot. That is a long scene. I didn't think about how long it was, but now that you mention it, that that kind of stands out. That the length of that scene stands out. It's almost like they said, hey, do stuff to this room as if you were crazy and we'll film. And I'm sure that a lot of it was ad lib. And Michelle, before I go on, um, I want to say, as I was watching it again today, there is a lot, this is going to sound strange, there's a lot of good acting in this movie. I, I agree. There's a lot Depen- of good Depending acting. on who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I don't like Danny DeVito. No, he's not great. Christopher Walken is great. Is amazing. There's a... <laughs> And he makes me laugh a lot, too. Uh, he's got some great lines. There's a scene in the movie where Penguin is about to take his mayoral campaign on the road. Uh, he's just discredited Batman. He's going to become, they're going to announce his bid for mayor. And uh, you've got Chris Walken in the background yeah, you know, yeah. uh, as, yeah. as Penguin's making a speech. And then Batman cuts in with audio from what Penguin had done. You know, where he's just like making fun of Gotham citizens and talking about how he's playing everybody for chumps. And then the crowd turns on Penguin. There's this moment where uh, where uh, the camera zooms in on Walken and he, he can read the tea leaves pretty well. And he bails before they start throwing the fruit and the food. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a look where Penguin like looks at, at Chris Walken and he just does this Walken shrug and like, you're on your own, yeah. buddy. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but Walken's great. Michelle Pfeiffer is in many scenes amazing. Um, she, she has she has great chemistry with him. She does she, with with Michael Keaton and with Christopher Walken. Um, it's funny uh, the casting director. Uh, I in some trivia I learned today, she told Burton that she didn't want to hire Walken, and they were like, "Well, why not?" And she was like, "He scares the hell out of me," <laughs> um, which I thought was funny. But yeah, there's, there's a scene, the scene at the end of the film. Uh, sorry, we're jumping around everybody, but where Batman's like trying to get her to not kill Max Shrek, which that seems to be her main uh, motive throughout the film. That's, her, that's what she's trying to do in a very roundabout way is kill Shrek. And when she's in that scene and she's like so torn between joining Bruce or killing Shrek and she's like crying and... Uh, I mean, she's nothing like Catwoman, but whatever she's doing, I think it's perfect acting. I mean, it's it's a great scene between all of them, even especially Chris Walken, where he's like, and Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed like Batman? <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, that was odd, though, yeah. that he, because, okay, we're not going to kill him, yeah. but he's going to know who I am. That was, um, I couldn't quite make sense of that, yeah. because there was no evidence that he was ready to walk away from being Batman. no. Um, um, so now, d- did you know in the original story ideas that last moment when she takes the taser and mm-hmm. kisses him yep. and kills him 
that was originally meant to be um, Billy D. Williams. Oh, I, that I, was, I did read yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. And I thought that a lot of the, the, the Shrek storyline made a little more sense with, the Billy, with Harvey Dent. For people who don't know, Billy D. Williams played Harvey Dent in the first film. And, and I don't know if you felt this way, but I felt this way because as a Star Wars fan, I'm down to see my Star Wars actors in other films. Yeah. And as a Batman fan, I was like, Billy D. Williams is Harvey Dent. That means oh, Billy D. Williams is Two-Face. Yeah. Which is why Billy D. Williams took the role. I don't know yeah. if you knew that, but he took the role because he was like, he knows that Harvey Dent becomes one of Batman's biggest foes from friend to foe. Would have been a great role. And I'm, to this day, I'm mad at Tim Burton and that whole crew for not, for not giving me Harvey Dent. Realizing that it would have been in this film, I'm happy now that, that Harvey Dent wasn't the character in Batman Returns because I'd be complaining about Billy D. Williams. Well, but I mean, but the idea would, was going to be that um, he would become Two-Face at the end. And then, yeah. And then and that then would lead to the, the third film, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, um, but, they, but they moved away from that. Uh, and and I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think that was a bad thing. We all love Christopher Walken. Yeah. This is kind of my favorite fun Walken film. Oh, really? Like, I, I really love him in this. Well, there, there's the moment, the scene where he and Bruce confront each other and, mm -hmm. and Bruce tosses him the, you know, when he confronts him about the thing. Oh, yeah. That is a great scene. That is, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I love how, you know, he sits down and he says... Uh, Bruce Wayne, shame on you. Like, you know, he does the, there's just so many little walkinisms mm -hmm. in the film, which you can sell me on any day. And actually, I, yeah, I really, I really, really like him in the film. Well, I, um, I find myself, I agree. I find myself wanting more of those interactions between Shrek and Wayne, because there's another great interaction at the, at the masquerade ball where, uh, where he's like, uh, you know, yeah. wearing a mask, which, you know, obviously is, is the, is a nod they do in a, another costume film in the in the Nolan Batman films where where Bruce Wayne shows up at his masquerade ball without wearing a mask because Bruce Wayne is the mask, right? But this here's the thing: is Selena Kyle also is not in costume? Yeah. And I actually this time watching it was like, ah, oh, I see what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Th this did come up later. This is the mask. Yeah. They are actually masked. Yeah. Um, but there came a moment when I was like, like, I, like I kind of, I kind of tuned out of the movie to, to kind of think about this theme of wearing masks and this mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, and I was like, and I, and, and then I tuned back in, and I saw an army of penguins with missiles on them. <laughs> and I realized I was probably looking a little bit too deep into this. Film. Yes, yes. But there's a great scene between Walken and uh, Michael Keaton in the in the film where he's like, uh, "I am Gotham's light, and I'm its dark soul." Bruce doesn't matter who may who the mayor is. And uh, Bruce Wayne says, matters to me. <laughs> and yawn is what Walken says to him <laughs> and then walks off. And I thought I wanted more of that interaction because I thought the penguin doesn't work in this film. And it's not Danny DeVito's fault. It's Tim Burton's fault. Uh, I've read that the DeVito was method the whole time. Yeah, I, I how, read that too. How annoying must have that been? That, that must have been. Uh, but he stayed in character the whole time. But like you, I was always disgusted by that suit. I was disgusted by everything. I mean, about well, the they penguin. beat us. They beat us over the head with him. There's yeah. a lot of penguin in the film, and it is, yeah. Um, and you know, and you know his origin story and Oswald Cobblepot. His character's more irritating than anything else. Yeah. Um, now I now, the production design is over the top. Yeah. It's very it's very Burtony. Uh, it, it 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 is like um, well and. The Gotham Zoo. 
looks like something it looks like something out of nightmare before christmas yeah but, but. like you know it doesn't look like a real zoo at all no not um, at all it well i mean it almost looks like speaking of that now that you say that i am immediately thinking of the old stop motion christmas shows you know oh, yeah yeah you know i mean it looks like that you're right it, the, nothing in the place looks like a real place uh and when they do look like a real place you're kind of jarred by like well that's weird you know like uh when penguin comes downstairs from his ancient looking manor house attic right yeah down into the modern campaign style offices you're like how does that make any sense i um, you know and, and i didn't like the that scene because because those people now i know that they're working for max Shrek. i get that mm -hmm. but they don't act like real people no. they're just like i mean he's he's gnawing on a fish you uh, know and, and which would disgust anybody and they're just like that's yeah, our Oswald, you know. It's it's funny because you brought up Edward Scissorhands earlier, and it's basically the people from that suburb are now in that office. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it brings all of Burton's contempt for the normal, um, and he wants to impose this artistic sensibility on, on everything that he touches after. Once he got some clout, everything became an excuse to make things look like Beetlejuice, I think, you know. As a kid, I, was, I wasn't a kid, I was, I was probably, I was close to 18 at the time when this movie came out. And yeah. I really was conflicted because I wanted to like it. Yeah. You know, and I left the theater thinking, well, you know, that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, but I, I, I never made it to liking the movie. Um, do you realize how long and boring the scene is, so there's a scene where Penguin looses all these rocket penguins on the city of Gotham. Right. That's all badly edited, but Batman is driving down the sewer in his hydrojet boat for, to me, what seems like an eternity of screen time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, he's not doing anything. Michael Keaton is just looking ahead, looking bored, probably because he's been driving for an hour and he's like, when am I gonna get to these penguins, you know? Right, um, right. But like for me, I was watching it and I'm like, well, this is a really, this is a long amount of screen time. And he keeps looking at this boring picture of the dots of which represent penguins moving towards the center of the town. And none of that has any dramatic weight because it all is so unreal. The boat looks like a model. The penguins are actually a decent set of practical effects. So there are people in suits a lot of times. They're mechanical penguins. There are people in suits. There are real penguins. They look um, good. And it's too bad because like, that's the best thing in that scene, really. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, not only is the film too Burton-y, I, I think the film is not nearly as well directed as the first one. Oh. Um, and, and the scene that I would point to that really stuck out to me, because actually, I kind of like the Penguin's attempt to frame Batman. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of, I liked that. Yep. That series of events was very poorly executed. Mm -hmm. And the reason I would say that is that Batman just falls into that trap Oh yeah. Way way too easily. Like he he is he is so sucker he's suckered in so easily yeah. that it's almost like you almost deserve to have your reputation smashed. <laughs> yeah. But there's all but there's a really bad shot that I well not that I've ever really watched this movie a lot. Yeah. Um, because I I don't I don't think I ever owned it. Like I've only seen it a handful yeah. of times. But they kidnap the 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 Gotham Queen lady. Yeah. And they have her tied up, and then Catwoman prevents Batman from rescuing her. They take her up to the roof and they put her on the ledge. And then they have the bats come out to fly around her, which makes her fall. Yep. Now, you can go back and watch this. The shot where she is about to fall is horrible. 
because it's kind of like a kind of a long kind of medium shot where you've got her kind of in the foreground, the bats mm -hmm. going around her, and you can see Batman looking at her, mm -hmm. and he's standing there. Like that would be a situation where she's gonna fall and you're gonna leap for her mm -hmm. and try to rescue her. He does not move. It's more like just kind of like, you know, just kind of you know. Of course, he can't do this, right? But he's just kind of he's just kind of standing there. Yeah. And and then she falls away. He blew it. Like he didn't even try. Yeah. And it's the same thing from the first film that I was talking about. The lack of urgency. Well, and, yeah. Well, now that you mention it, because because uh, he doesn't even like Mark. He doesn't even seem down about it to Alfred later on. Yeah, somebody got killed tonight because uh, I just I I fell into a trap. He doesn't. Yeah. They're they're a little too busy patting themselves on the back about getting that compact disc recording of right. the penguin, yeah. and he's a little too clever with the the DJ scratching of the of the recording uh, that that undoes that undoes penguins setting him up. But you're right. I mean, like Batman's like, well, shit, too bad about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but you don't even get that from him. He doesn't seem. I mean, what we see later on is him like that's when he, after he pulls the Catwoman stuff out of his side, you know, that's he's more interested in like his new romance than the fact that uh, his bumbling got somebody killed. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do like, you know, they do the detective stuff. You yeah. know, he gets out ahead on on uh, Oswald Cobblepot yeah. before anybody else does. And I like that. I like that he he was way ahead of everybody else because yeah. Batman is, you know, the great detective. And so, you know, I liked a lot of that. Well, that's something I have to give Burton a little bit of credit for, too. I meant to mention that, but you got to it there. You got to it before I did. In every other iteration of Batman, we've seen the crime fighter. We've seen the ninja. We've seen the top-level martial artist. But a lot of films neglect the, the sub, neglect the subtitle in all of the Batman comic books, which is The World's Greatest Detective. Burton does bring that in, I think, more than anybody else. Yeah, I think um, so, too. Even more, I mean, does it more than Nolan does it no. more than Snyder. I, I, I do appreciate that Burton did that, but uh, go on. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that too. There, there are a few things I like about this film. Yeah. Not near enough to yeah. either recommend it or even watch it again. It's going back in the, I'm going to undownload it and it'll be a long time before I say, maybe I was wrong about that one again. Yeah. Let, let, me, let, me, let me propose this to you though. This is a fine movie if it had been about anybody else. Like, what if you just made it like Dark Man? I don't know if anybody's seen Dark Man, but it's a Sam Raimi superhero movie. But what if, if it wasn't Batman and it wasn't his rogues gallery, I was trying to imagine like, what if this was just some hero that Tim Burton created? For want of a better thing, he would probably create somebody called Dark Man now that I think about it. But yeah, yeah. But I thought I would enjoy this movie a lot more if it was just its own thing and had nothing to do with Batman because because the acting is very good for a, for a movie that's more warped and wants to focus on these freaks and these really sad people, which is what Burton, I mean, if there's a, if there's a purpose to Burton's film career, it is to focus on sad, pathetic people. And uh, to imagine there's pathos where there isn't pathos. I could have enjoyed it if it was like not a Batman story, if it was just something else. Um, because I like the cast. I like, I like Michelle Pfeiffer a lot. Michelle Pfeiffer just really sang out to me in this film. Um, she's a terrible Catwoman, but that's not her fault. It's the it's the script. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I thought, what if it was different? Well, what do you think of that idea? No, I, you know that's a very good point. And actually, you know, to kind of illustrate that, 
let's go back for a second to the, you know, the ransacking the apartment scene. When I saw that scene in the theater, what I thought was, this is a Batman film. Yeah. Why are we spending so much time here? But if it wasn't a Batman film, I, I wouldn't have asked that. Question. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Because you, you, yeah. you would have been curious about like this this crazy woman's journey into psychosis and and you know dealing with the trauma uh, of dealing with Chris Walken. But you're right because there really is not as much Batman in this movie as even even in, there's there's less than was in the last movie. I thought at the time I in '92 I thought man I want to like this but I could not bring myself to say ah, it's a bad movie in '92. I managed to get to that point today and say, yeah. this is not a good Batman movie. It might've been a good other movie, yeah. but we'll never know. What, what's your verdict? I'm, I'm sure that we're not too far off here. We're not far off at all. I, I, I actually barely mediocre, maybe yeah. would be the way that I would describe it. Um, and, and again, I, that, was not, that was not my verdict back then. I wouldn't have said it was a great film, yeah. but, I, but I felt like that it was a lot more successful than I would now. Although, you know, again, something that we should go back to about both films mm -hmm. is we do have to remember, as we said at the very beginning, there weren't many comic films at this time. Oh, Batman no. Returns, and this is also true of Batman Returns. I mean, I guess we had had Captain America, uh, you know, in between. But, yeah. um, but really, you know, there still were not really any superhero films. Batman Returns was, was still yeah. kind of a rare thing. You know, I, I did notice its flaws at the time. Mm -hmm. But certainly with everything else that you're able to watch now, yep. it's not something that you would really, well, that you would really recommend. Well, well, we had to settle a lot. I mean, we were, we were a fan base really willing to settle for whatever Anything. came out. Not the Captain America movie of the 90s and not the Quest for Peace, Superman, the Quest for Peace. Um, but... Uh, we'll do that one someday That'll we, be will, we will do that one someday <laughs> but yeah at the time i couldn't bring myself to say i didn't like it some of my other friends could but i'd be like oh well you know and then i wouldn't commit <laughs> to, to, yeah. to an opinion um what i want to say though about the burton films uh i think they have to be given credit for the art direction and the score but also by being the genesis somehow and i don't know i, I don't know how this came to be of the 1992 animated series that series um for anybody who hasn't seen it i let me say go and see the series afterwards because i'm gonna maybe i'll say something controversial here um and we can argue a bit but they took the elfman score they took that that timeless art deco art direction and i think that batman the animated series may be the one of the best if not the best adaptation uh, moving picture adaptation of Batman that there is. I think it's, I've come to think it's one of the best. I, I don't know if it is the best uh, interpretation of Batman that, that moves Batman as a moving picture, you know? I mean, it, I think it's comparable with the Nolan films. Um, I think the Batman animated series captures everything that's important about Batman, but it needed that origin in the Burton films. Warner Brothers wanted to keep this thing going, so they create this cartoon that's very much like those films. Batman doesn't kill people. He's a great detective, great scores, great action, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, what you're saying, what it reminds me of, because basically what you're saying is that here's this cartoon series that really draws a lot from these, from these two films that, mm -hmm. you know, it's debatable about how successful that they were. Yeah. It sounds a lot like what, you, about uh, the Clone Wars yep. and how the Clone Wars, 
you know, it, it um, is better than its source material. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Um, well, I, well, I think the clone wars uh, is so much better than the prequels that you could almost, you would almost recommend people watch the clone wars instead of seeing Phantom Menace uh, though I like, I quite like Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, and Attack of the Clones, which nobody needs to see, and uh, the very, the very uneven Revenge of the Sith. But if they just watched the Clone Wars, you wouldn't need those films to see what yeah. happened, because you could see the friendship of Anakin and, and Luke Skywalker. But uh, the Batman the Animated Series from 1992 uses Elfman's score, and it doesn't commit any of the errors that the Burton films make. I think it does everything right. I mean, Penguin is the gangster you know he's not a guy with flippers he's not crazy it's it's a, it's a perfect uh translation of still still pictures of a comic book page to the big screen uh, to to a screen i guess and we wouldn't have had that without we'd still be dealing with the super friends or you know yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with i think without that without batman with without tim burton's batman and batman returns we wouldn't have you know, five or six seasons of a really great Batman show. I think it has the best versions of the Joker. I think it has, uh, and it introduces a lot of other villains from his uh, from his gallery that we don't get to see in the films very often. It's got a great Two-Face. It's got uh, a great Penguin. It's got uh, guys like Scarecrow who you don't get to see very often. I think that has to be added to the legacy of the Burton films. I think he, I don't know if he produced it, but but uh, I mean, it uses a lot of his designs and a lot of his ideas. And then that show gave rise to another great show, which was Superman, the animated series, which I think is a great Superman show as well. I think we, we owe Burton at least that. I don't know if you've ever watched those series, but they're great series. Not I haven't binged them, but I've seen yeah. obviously a lot of episodes. Yeah. So I think that's a great thing that we have to give Burton credit for, even as we bash the hell out of Batman Returns. Any final thoughts about the films or anything else you want to add? Don't even have to be final, whatever you want to say. I agree with you about the legacy of Tim Burton, specifically the first film. Yeah. But I mean, um, obviously the series would continue after this. It would be a little bit different. I don't know if, if we want to say better or worse, but certainly, certainly different. I think that's the thing, you know, to kind of bring things back to what I had originally discovered is that um, the Batman series you know, deserves its place in the um, in kind of the history of comic book films. Absolutely. Yeah, because it, um, it, it did do things that, um, yeah, you're right. Had they not been done, we would not have them. Because now Batman is always going to be this way. Yeah. You know, I don't think that we'll ever go back to, to Adam West. Uh, you know, I thought that too, but there are a series of animated films now that... Uh, Adam West acted in recent films, not so recent because he's dead, but dead, yeah. But where they brought back Batman 66, and they also brought a comic book out called Batman 66 just to kind of enjoy that campiness, which goes back to some of the weird things that they do at DC. These are all different alternate takes right. on their characters. Maybe we'll see a comedic version of Batman. I don't know. I <laughs> We're going to argue in the next reviews that we might have seen the comedic versions of, of of the batman but they might they might go back to that 66 well they also came out with a comic book called wonder woman 70 something 77 i think which was the one the linda hamilton show was right. Out. Um, right right because there is a bit of nostalgia for those those pieces but i think that man you got to have a good comedy script to bring batman make batman a comedy anything else to say about the films anything no, in fact the only thing that never came up was uh, the prince soundtrack from the first film 
Oh my God. The Prince yeah. soundtrack. Well, well, quickly, what's your verdict? I owned it. Yeah, I, I, I love the songs. Mm -hmm. I was surprised. Tim Burton did not want them in the film. Really? Yeah. He did because not want them. I really like them. I mean, yeah. I owned, I mean, I have to confess that I owned the album. Um, I don't have it now, though I might buy it here in a minute. There are a lot of great musical cues that are based on those, on those Prince soundtracks. And, uh, you know, when they're dancing through the museum and tearing up the museum and Jack Nicholson's dancing to the great songs by Prince, uh, which isn't always the case when a rock star does a movie soundtrack. Um, again, we're going to get examples of that in the next series of films. Um, but like, uh, I don't know if you do this, but every time I watch the climax of the Batman film, uh, I do, I say the lines along with Jack Nicholson, hubba, hubba, hubba. <laughs> money, money, money. Who do you trust? <laughs> which, which is a reference to the song that they just played. And I, I just think, and I've been saying that since 1989, every time I watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that Tim Burton didn't want the, who did he want? What did he want? Uh, he said, I, I didn't want to direct Top Gun. And, and, I, and I know what he was getting at because, mm. you know, Top Gun had all those hits. Yeah. And that became the new marketing ploy. Yeah. You've got the summer's big movie. You've got to have the music videos. You've got to have, you know, all the pop songs. And he just, he didn't want that. He wasn't interested in that. It yeah. works for the film, yeah. um, but he didn't want it. Well, I think he's lucky because I don't, I don't think any of those songs made it into the top 10, and I don't think there were any music videos for them. Do you remember any music videos for them? I mean, I could be wrong here. I think um, there was. I okay. think that I, I, I watched MTV a bit at the time. Yeah. Now, I, I can't too. remember anything about it, but I do, I do believe there was one. Yeah, I'll look that up after this and see if I'm wrong. But I just don't remember hearing Trust or right. that museum song, which I, I can hear in my head, but I don't remember what it was called. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Party man, party man. But, yeah. And party so man. I don't remember hearing those on the radio. So I mean, maybe they no. were. So at least he can be happy about that. It was Prince's least successful album. But I would have loved to have worked with Prince if I were a director. That guy could, that guy could create some tunes. Oh. Um, yeah. That's just not where he was, I think, as a director at the time. I mean. Well, it goes back to that. This is maybe this is being mean to Tim Burton, but I always got the sense from Burton that he was like some of my really artsy friends in high school who, if somebody liked something and it was kind of mainstream, they they necessarily hated that thing. You know, they're your friends on social media who uh, will only pop up and say mean things about something that everybody likes. You know, they're that guy who Tim Burton is that guy who says, oh, the Titanic sucked. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think he hated the fact that because I was that way about his about Batman, as I said at the beginning, that I didn't like it because everybody else did. Yeah, and he didn't like that. He didn't. He didn't want to have the trendy film. Yeah, and he stepped into it, and maybe, maybe that's why he made the terrible movie that came after uh, Batman Returns. Well, he did not want to make that film. Oh, he, really? had to be he had to be talked into it, and I also found a quote. He is not proud of Batman. Really? He said, and actually this, this ties into exactly what you just said. He said that it was more of a cultural event than a movie. Oh, wow. You see, and oh, we can't have that. You know, we yeah. can't have a cultural event. Um, so I think that you nailed it uh, yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, kind of analyzing him and his motivations. Um, well, I mean, it, it's, 
uh, he is that Winona Ryder character, Winona Ryder character in Beetlejuice. I think you know. I mean, yeah. Which is why she's so well written. I, it's, which is a, Beetlejuice is a great movie. Oh, I love Beetlejuice. And, um, and he understands that girl, and I think that's why the movie works so well. I don't think that sensibility is great for a lot of the other big things he's done. I mean, if he didn't want to make Batman, I don't know why he decided to turn around and make not turn around, but years later make planet of the apes a terrible terrible planet of the apes yeah yeah well it's not that he didn't want to make batman yeah he he um he didn't he he actually was after the fact that he wasn't i, I he wasn't real pleased with the result right. and he and he didn't like some of the decisions that were made like the prince soundtrack he didn't like that i mean i disagree with him about the prince soundtrack and uh a lot of other decisions that he's made i guess we can be thankful that he never ended up making one of the superman movies that he was developing he's not a good guy for uh comic book movies no he's not he's not and i think he said that at the time like he was not a comic book reader yeah well he famously got into arguments over uh that uh, with kevin smith mm-hmm. when kevin smith tried to write the uh Superman's sh- script for him. Everything was on the wall. All the writing was on the wall with Batman Returns because he had no interest in adapting those characters. He just wanted to. He wanted to make a, a movie about things he was interested in, which is why there's a circus freak show in the movie. Yeah, it's why Penguin is a flipper bearing weirdo. And, and he had a lot more control. If you look at the if you look at the credits, he produced it. Yeah. You know, uh, and uh, John Peters and Peter Goober, they jumped over to executive producers. So Burton had a lot more control. Warner Brothers won it. I mean, look, it was the first film was a big hit. And he was the guy who directed it. And so they they turned the keys of the car over to him. And he he wrecked it. (laughs) Well, that's that's what I thought. I thought I thought that that Batman Returns looks like Tim Burton able to call every shot that he wants to call and. By having everything his own way, the film suffers a lot for it. And and you made the analogy earlier with the, the prequels, the Star Wars prequels. I mean, I think that the same thing could be said that, I mean, it's the same thing that happened to George Lucas. If you have too much control and you're unwilling to accept insight and input from other people, disasters like Batman Returns, Attack of the Clones are more likely, I think. Burton was obviously hearing no... Nothing different. He was not going to have any anybody interfere with his vision on this film, and he never made another Batman movie, which is good. Yeah, well, and 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 one of the things that did happen with Batman Returns, we actually mentioned this when, when we were talking about Batman. Batman Returns is a very violent movie. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, from the very first scene when he uses the Batmobile to incinerate that guy, and <sighs> and and you right, and um, and actually that was I, I have read ahead a little bit. That's one of the reasons he didn't direct Batman Forever. Warner yeah. Brothers specifically, there was a bit of a back. I don't remember it, but there was a bit of a backlash either. about the violence. I really and, that that, and that's why they wanted to keep Burton, and he is a producer yeah. in, in, on, on uh, the next film. Yeah. But they definitely did, they did not want his vision anymore. Well, that was something that, that jarred me even, uh, even in 92, uh, where there's that scene where uh, he takes a bomb off somebody and he punches some big guy and the guy doesn't move. And then Batman looks down at the bomb that he put on that guy. And then the guy's like, oh, my God, I'm trying to get the bomb off him. And then Batman kicks him into a, a cellar or some kind and he of blows up and he blows up. And I'm like, well, that's something that Arnold Schwarzenegger would do to somebody in Commando 2 or, you know, something, you know, some some 
appropriate vehicle for that kind of action. But I was like, Batman, that's not Batman. You know what I mean? I I think it's actually a great scene in another movie, Uh, but it doesn't work for me in a Batman film because for me, Batman is not, he's the guy who doesn't kill people. You know, he's the guy who uh, is actually about justice and not about revenge. And I, you don't get any of those kinds of things from the Burton movie at all. Well, you know, you raised a very interesting, you know, kind of uh, thought experiment about, you know, if this was not a Batman film, would it be more successful? No. And and you've cha- you kind of challenged me with that. Uh, and I, so I've been kind of trying to figure that out. But actually, I, I do think that the film still fails on a lot of levels. Okay. You know, like, like there are still some scenes that are just... I mean, I think that the Penguin, his plan at the end, there's this kitchen sink approach that's yeah. just... That, that really is just ridiculous. Like, you yeah. know, just what really is going on here? Yeah. I think the penguin funeral at the end. That's not really needed. strange. Yeah, that's uh, really odd. Um, I remember thinking that was the strangest thing in 92. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> These penguins are like acting as pallbearers on the penguin who is dead really kind of unpleasantly dead like yeah. he, he kind of goes out hard and kills over and he's got like the bile or whatever coming out of his yeah, yeah. and then the penguins carry him into the water and it's a really bizarre scene yeah and yeah. has nothing to do with batman but you're right the kitchen sink kitchen sink approach is exactly right um they're gonna kill they're gonna kidnap the babies and how anticlimactic was that? Yeah. So, so Penguin's crew is going to kidnap these babies. They do it. Batman intervenes, and we don't see any of it. We only know that this has happened because one of the circus freaks had a monkey that brought the message back to Penguin, and Batman wrote a note. Uh, the kids won't be joining you today. And then Penguin's like, okay. And then he has like this patent moment with the penguins. Some of you won't be coming back. Um, yeah. And, you know, I thought that was all kind of, to me, I was just viewing this as like, well, this is funny if it's not a Batman movie. I, but in a Batman movie, none of it makes sense. Okay, and you're going to throw all these kids in a, I mean, I, I, it's a deliciously mean thing to do to throw a bunch of babies in toxic waste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I was with his henchman. His henchman says, don't you think that's a little... <laughs> <laughs> and then his, and then penguin shoots him and he's like no it's a lot <laughs> and uh <laughs> and uh and kicks him into the toxic waste uh sludge or whatever i mean that's going all in on being a bad guy and yet that entire part of his plan could have been edited out and it would not have changed the film at all not a bit not a bit because yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter we don't see we don't see how batman saves the babies he just shows up he just shows up and it's like oh i'm taking over here yeah Oh, it's going to put the babies back, you know, I mean. We don't, we don't see any of that. No, we don't. But I mean, obviously it happened. And then, of course, early in the film, he got the names of all these babies by having the ruse to go into the, yep. into the office. But we didn't even need that. No. Like, it, it, it's just his plans all over the place. Well, I, that's, that's why I'm basically like, I don't understand this film. I don't understand what they were trying to do. Um, it doesn't hang together well. It's uh storytelling wise it's a disaster yeah from 1992 to the day I, I still have the same reaction to it like i don't understand what you were trying to yeah. do it's gone down. i mean it, it was never real high on my list but it, it's definitely it's definitely gone down yeah, yeah i think we covered it i think we got it i think we got it um 
We might have rescued a soul or two from uh, wasting their time. They they understand everything. Uh, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> they will avoid this one or or not. You know, see it. Let let us know what you think. Maybe maybe we're wrong. Tell us. <laughs> I w- I would love for a, a person who listens to this to write in and defend this movie because I would like to see that that defense. Well, I guess that's us signing off for these two films. Next time we're going to review what movies are we going to review, Jason? I'll let you take it away. I be- uh, we are going to do the second half of the uh, Batman Forever and the classic Batman and Robin. All right, gang. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share us with all your friends on all your social media platforms. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. If you can, give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. All the music that you hear but uh, at the beginning and end of each episode is by me, Max Striffle. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Classic. Yeah. Of sorts. Now, do you consider <laughs> do, you, do you consider these to be part of the Burton verse or do they become something different? I That's a good question because there I think that one could have said there was some doubt at the time. However, keep in mind, Pat Hinkle comes back as the commissioner in both mm-hmm. films. Michael Goh comes back as Alfred in both yeah. films. I, I actually say that it's it's the, it's still the Burton verse, and Burton produces Batman Forever, right? Batman Forever only, and but you know, seen through the eyes of Joel Schumacher, so these will be fun. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right, that's us signing off.